0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to your baby's brilliant brain. I'm Dr. Christine Anderson or Dr. Chris as my patients call me and with me is Dr. Toxelorek or just Dr. Toxel to my patients. We're so happy you joined us today. We have a special guest, Dr. Stephanie Libs, all the way from San Diego And she is a chiropractor who specializes in pediatrics and pregnancy. So she's going to be talking a little bit about her experiences with that. And her clinic is called Cafe of Life San Diego. If you are in the San Diego area and you want to find her. And at the end, we'll talk about she'll talk about how you can find her. And also we'll put all those things in the description so you can uh, get some great care from her. All right, well, we're gonna dive right in. But first of all, we're gonna find out about you, Dr. Steph. But first of all, I wanna know did you feel the earthquake last night?
1: <laughs> you know what's so funny? I did not. And I I have lived it I was born and raised in San Diego. I have never felt an earthquake. Really? <laughs> never. But I always sleep through
0: it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. So <laughs> It, it kind of is. Well, what was yeah. really weird last night is I actually, I was awake. I had just woken up. It was and was like 4.30 in the morning. I know it was 4.30 <laughs> in the morning. Believe you me. So this is part of the reason why I was a little late getting to uh, the office today because my sleep got disrupted. But I had just woken up and I'm laying there. And all of a sudden, of course, it started shaking and it just shook a little. And then I lay there waiting for the next Bit, right it's like right. okay well that that can't be it that's gotta just be the start of it right so I'm laying there and then it's five I'm like oh I gotta get to sleep so I put on some meditation stuff to help me get back to sleep and then um yeah well the- It was a jolt. So you're pretty much, I was dead asleep for the first time
2: this week. And it just, it was a jolt to start. It wasn't like a slow rumbling or shaking. It jolted me awake. So it felt like somebody had leapt onto the bed at first. Of course, I wake up going like, oh God. And then it's, you know, and then it starts shaking and rolling. And yeah. then I'm kind of I'm laying there going like, okay, is this gonna get worse? Is it gonna get better? Right. Like, okay, thank goodness it's an earthquake and not somebody like jumping on right my back. Oh, thank like, God. Because yeah. Of course, born and raised in LA, I'm like, oh, it's an earthquake. Okay. <laughs> it's so funny. I didn't even know there was an earthquake until
1: I
0: checked Instagram today. <laughs> <laughs> you're like thank you for letting me know (laughs) so well you started off saying you're born and raised in San Diego so Mm -hmm. let's just learn a little bit about you and Mm -hmm. in that that journey of sort of how you grew up what Mm -hmm. led you to become a chiropractor and then ultimately that that moment when you decided that pediatrics was something that you wanted to pursue oh I love
1: talking about this okay so I was born and raised in San Diego. I was always um, a pretty active kid um, playing sports, and my parents would always go to the chiropractor just for their back pain and you know, issues with their bodies. And so I would tag along with them, and I'd see the chiropractor adjust them, and I'd continue on with my sports and have back pain myself or headaches, which I thought was just normal as a kid. And so my parents would go. And so I said, well, can I get adjusted too? I feel like I should benefit from that. Like my back hurts. And so they would take me along to the chiropractor and, uh, it was, he was this big, strong dude. And I swear he would crack every bone in my body. It was, <laughs> it was the heaviest handed adjustment ever. So that was my introduction to chiropractic. Um, but it always helped when I had pain or headaches, it it always helped. And I remember asking the chiropractor once, I said, you know, how, how often should I be getting headaches? Like, is it normal just to have them like once a month or once a week? Cause like, I get them pretty often. And I remember him saying, it's not normal to ever have them. And I was like, what? Really? Dr. Dr. Steph, how old were you then? With your I was, so I was 12 when I started getting adjusted. And by the time I asked him that question, I was like probably 16. Um, and so, and you know, I would only go to him when I was in pain or having a headache. I didn't go preventatively. And so I remember him saying, yeah, it's not normal to ever have headaches. And I was like, huh. So do you think I should come here like once a week? so that I don't get the headache in the first place? And he was like, yeah. (laughs) I was like, okay, I'll think about it. (laughs) All right. I guess I came to my own conclusion. And he was kind of like, sure, whatever. Um, So, you know, I still only went when I was in pain. But um, when I was 18, I met another chiropractor who um, I started working for. He needed a front desk assistant and I was like working at a tanning salon, you know, I was 18, like, what am I doing with my life? And, um, so I started working for him and I got adjusted regularly, whether I was in pain or not. And my whole life turned around, my health significantly improved. I realized from the time I was young, I was always on antibiotics every few months or every year, maybe I was always getting sick. I was always having some sort of infection or something, um, I was always taking ibuprofen, just always. And um, I started getting adjusted at 18 and have never done that since. Never been on drugs since, no antibiotics, um, no pain relief medication, nothing. And uh, I saw that happen to all the other patients in the office too. And so I thought, God, there is something to this. So I decided um, college wasn't really for me. So I decided to become a massage therapist and work in his office. And so I was in massage school, working in his office at the same time, seeing all these people get well, seeing all these people get off their medication, seeing them go through this holistic journey of their life completely changing around, um, and seeing babies get adjusted and seeing how gentle it was, how effective it was, how much birth trauma there was, how much toxicity they're exposed to, and... um, I get chills just thinking about it. So I'm in massage school. This other chiropractor comes in while I'm working at the office. He comes in to see the other chiropractor and we're chatting and he says, so what are you doing with your life? And I said, I'm in massage school and I'm going to work here and, you know, it'll allow me to play a bigger role in the office and serve people. And he says, why not be a chiropractor? And I was like, well, it's too hard. It's too expensive. I'm not smart enough. It's going to take too long. But Like I had a whole laundry list of reasons I couldn't do it. All this self-limiting doubt. And, um, he said, well, you can do it. And just think about how many more people you could help in the same amount of time as one massage. And that did it for me. I was like, oh yeah, I can do that. So then I just started looking into the schooling and the education and I started my prerequisites um, for undergrad and I just never looked back and I just blew through it as much as I could and as quickly as I could. Um, and I think it was that experience working in that office, knowing that I wanted to take care of pregnant women and babies because I saw these adults coming in with all these issues that i i knew you know seeing these babies get adjusted it's like this is preventing them from having those issues later this is this is setting them up so beautifully for life in in just you know tuning into their brain and their nervous system and making sure their nervous system is turned on and working properly how great is that for the rest of their life so that's what really did it for me and then um When I started chiropractic school, uh, Jeannie Ohm, who you guys know has since passed, um, she was like such a mentor to me and I looked up to her so much. She um, uh, ran the ICPA, the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association, which um, I got certified through and did all the coursework through them um, to be certified in Webster technique and um, to take care of pediatrics. And the whole education through that was just super inspiring. And, um, I just loved it. And then, you know, having my own babies and, um, going through all that journey, it's just, that's really just become my passion and what I've specialized in. And, um, now luckily I'm, I've grown to a point in my practice where that's pretty much all I see. So if a new patient calls and they're just Someone off the street, I usually will refer them to um, my associate. But if they're an infant or pregnant or families, then that's who I take care
0: of. That's amazing. What an amazing story. I love that. <laughs> and I had a similar aha moment in my journey to becoming a chiropractor because I was pre med. So again, it was this, this, actually this random member in a, a health, a women's health gym I was working at that said, you should be a chiropractor. And I was like, a what? (laughs) And my mom, I didn't know this at the time. You know, when you speak of these chiropractors that really until recently with the pediatrics, it's become more of a, of a, an educational process for parents. But I asked my mom because she 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 said she used to go to the chiropractor, but I never knew because we were at school. So she would go while we were at school, and I had no clue. And I said, he never said to you, you should bring your children in to have them checked. Even at that time thinking, well, if you have these issues as an adult, then perhaps your children might have similar issues going on. Mm-hmm. And... Maybe they should be checked sort of proactively or preventatively. So I love how you're tying this all in to your aha moment of, I see adults come in with the issues. And what if we got to these babies and children at a young age and take care of those issues before they become an issue? Mm -hmm. And then there won't be a problem. Right. Right. And it's so interesting because, you know, as a 16 year
1: old kid, I kind of came to that conclusion somehow on my own. And the chiropractor didn't even really like engage with that. It's almost like he didn't think of it either, which I, I know he did, but, you know, I, I kind of wish at the time he would have been like, yes, it's important to come regularly. It's important to be preventative and let me tell you why. You know, I feel like it would, like had I been the chiropractor in that situation, I would have been like, this is a perfect learning moment. I'm just going to shut my window because our gardeners are here
0: I? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. And that brings me to, I am, I, I'm, I'm sure I know the answer to this question, but what are you doing for your patients? Are you educating them on actually They come in, you do an exam, you find out what's going on. Are you talking with them about their whole, um, Mm -hmm. the whole essence of how the nervous system affects the body and what you found, what you want to do and, and doing a, I do, I call it a report of findings on that next day.
1: Yeah. Yes. So um, I, I have sort of a communal space so I have um, a big open room with four tables. And as soon as you walk into the office, you walk into the adjusting room and we have couches and comfy chairs and seating. So it's very communal and it's a place where I was very intentional about that because I really wanted families to be able to talk to each other and um and just have this community sort of feel and so i have a lot of families who come in here and have become friends their kids have become friends because of this space um, but the other part of doing that is <laughs> i guess it's a little bit of laziness on my part but it makes educating a lot easier because if i'm talking to one family about something then you know two or three other families might hear the same information and even though the situation that applies to that infant or that family, you know, might not be the same health condition as the other person. But we always try and um, use the filter of the chiropractic philosophy of, you know, thinking at things a little bit differently. And, um, you know, always going back to reminding each other that our bodies have this beautiful innate intelligence within them our bodies know how to heal our bodies know how to function if we have no interference between the brain and the rest of the body and if the spine is functioning properly your, your body is just going to work better and so um very often other people will overhear things and so like i'll have someone come back on on you know, the next visit, and they'll say, I overheard you talking to that mom about their baby who's having trouble pooping. Do you think that chiropractic would help another baby with torticollis? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and very often, like, I, I I don't even have to do much education because people see it, they, they see the other people in the office getting better. And so I really like to let results speak for themselves. Um, I feel like that's really powerful. But another thing that I do is I have a closed private Facebook group for all the moms that I take care of and they can invite their friends to the group as well. And that's really like a, um, hub for like teaching and educating and sharing and sharing resources for people. So that's been a really good, um, platform to it's kind of my soapbox. Um, while at the same time being a place where moms can come together and ask questions. And again, I always try and tie things back to the philosophy of, you know, if someone has a question about something, then it's like, well, let's look at it this way from a holistic perspective um, rather than just going to, you know, a medical perspective or a treatment for something.
0: Right. Because of the different philosophies and yeah. it's a more vitalistic or holistic versus a mechanistic. Um, Going back to the, you know, helping babies poop. Have you ever had anybody call you up and say, do you do the adjustment for uh, pooping?
1: (laughs) I feel like I probably get that call once a week, at least. (laughs) Right.
0: Well, and, uh, you know, and trying to explain to people who do not have experience with chiropractic, there's no, magical adjustment and right. I start talking a little bit about it's individualistic and it might be different for each baby about what that adjustment is right because if you're not familiar with this philosophy that's vitalistic and individualistic right. then it gets to be a little but I that's why I try to do that when I talk to them because I don't want them to think like there's this magic thing that we do Right. Although it is magic, and it is, it is pretty magical, <laughs> <actual. laughs> and, and it happens. Have you had this where you're working on a baby who is having trouble with constipation, and then they just literally the mom brings them in the office and they go, and it almost a yeah. like Pavlovian response, yes,
1: yes, all the
0: time. <laughs> right, it's so funny.
1: It's like they just walk in the office and they start pooping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, that happens here. <laughs> yeah, right. I love what you said, because it goes back to the difference in our philosophy. So I love acupuncture. Something in acupuncture that's very common is like, if you have a condition, they'll have a treatment protocol for that condition. You know, it's like a sequence of points. You hit this point, this point, this point. Um, Whereas in chiropractic, it's a little bit different, right? Like It doesn't matter what condition you're presenting with. We are trained to assess you for subluxation, which is misalignment of the spine with nerve interference. And our job is to correct that. It doesn't matter what condition you're presenting with. Of course, we like to know those things. But it, like it, you know, I always joke like, yeah, we'll hit the poop button. And it's like, there is no poop button. Right. But if certain areas of the spine are not functioning properly, it's going to affect digestion. Now that might look completely different on one baby and the next baby. But it's more of a generalized, or I guess not generalized, but indiv- individualistic perspective of, you know, everybody, we assess, we're going to find different things on them.
0: Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So I love Absolutely. You. And can you just, maybe since we're talking about poop and, and constipation, <laughs> just some other things that you see in your office, what are babies coming in with? that you've been helping with, just to give our audience Mm -hmm. an idea of of why they should bring their baby into a chiropractor? That's a great question. So
1: personally, I see a lot of babies with breastfeeding issues. Um, So painful latch, um, a shallow latch, maybe mom's been put on a nipple shield, Um, maybe baby won't latch at all, Uh, maybe there are tongue tie issues um which that could be a whole topic in itself um and it will be (laughs) yeah i think i have some unique views on tongue tie um well i don't know if they're that unique but i have a lot of views on it um so uh i see a lot of babies with that those kinds of issues um a lot of colic um indigestion trouble pooping reflux um And then a lot of birth trauma type stuff, more like misshapen heads, plagiocephaly, brachiocephaly, Um, torticollis is something we see a ton. Um, So those would probably be the main things. And then I also have a lot of people that just come in because they know they should. So, um, you know, because I, I tried to make my office the place where it's like, you just bring your baby whether something's going on or not you just bring them because it's a good thing to do to make sure there's their body is balanced because the birth process no matter if you have like the most traumatic c-section or you like sneezed your baby out in a field full of rainbows and butterflies and it was painless (laughs) like chances are baby needs a little balance in their body they're getting you know compressed through each contraction, there's pressure being put on their body, they're squeezing out through a tube or they're being pulled out through a surgical incision. Um, so there's a lot of balance that needs to happen there. You know They're nice and cozy in you know, a completely water environment for 40 some odd weeks. And then all of a sudden they're in air, they're in gravity, they're being asked to breastfeed for the first time, they're being asked to digest food for the first time. So it's a huge transition on them. So whether your baby is having complications or, you know, they look perfect, like there are no symptoms at all, it's still a good thing to make sure their brain and their nervous system is working as best it
2: can. Well, and this is a perfect tie-in actually, because you've two children of your own right now. And so you have... Quite an interesting story. I believe it was your first child. Mm-hmm. Where, um, you really did see how amazing chiropractic can be, and it's not just for neck or back pain. And I get so many people asking, "Why would you check a newborn spine? Why would you check an infant's spine?" And I'm, and I do mention to them the birth process in itself. But um, would you like to tell us? that story about your first. uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: So my first kiddo, her name's Aubrey. She is almost four years old now. So, um, it was almost four years ago that this happened, but, um, we were planning a home birth with her and, um, it was a very long birth. So I was in full on labor for three days at home and my water hadn't broken. I wasn't really progressing past like a seven. Um, and I was just getting delirious. I was in so much pain. I didn't want to eat. Luckily my midwives made me eat. Thank God. Cause I probably would have just, I don't know, withered away. Um, <laughs> and, um, after three days, I called it. I, I, my midwives were so amazing. They let me labor as long as I wanted to. They weren't, certainly weren't pushing me to go to the hospital at all. Shout out Nicole Morales. She's the local midwife who's amazing. And Marley Ivers and Josie Petrich. I love those women so much. Um, so um, after three days, I called it. And I, I just said, I can't do anymore. I'm so exhausted. I need to go to the hospital. I need to sleep so that I can push this baby out so we transferred um my husband is the son of chiropractors he's not a chiropractor and um, he was born at home and so luckily he was an amazing advocate because he was already supportive of home birth and chiropractic and um so we decided to transfer luckily at the time we could bring midwives with us to the hospital luckily my midwife came with us and um I got an epidural, which was such a difficult decision, especially as a chiropractor, not having a home birth and like just the guilt around that of, you know, feeling like a failure and like I couldn't do it. Um, so it was a really hard decision to go to the hospital, but I I just knew at the time it's what I needed. So, and then getting a, an epidural, I'm like, this is a huge needle in my spine. I work with the spine. How could I let this happen? <laughs> but it's what I needed. Um, I got some sleep and, um, the first OB that we had, oh man, she came in and, um, she said a couple things. She said, um, my hips weren't big enough. And I was like, lady, you need your eyes checked because I'm not a size two, (laughs) like not even close. (laughs) And she said that I wouldn't be able to get the head out if I did, I wouldn't get the shoulders out and she wouldn't help me with a vacuum or forceps. And I thought, wow, this lady is first of all, not even using evidence-based information because the size of the baby and the size of your pelvis does not go together if you can get baby out or not. Um, and then she's telling me she's not gonna help me. Now I didn't want vacuum or forceps, but how dare you say you're not gonna help me? Okay. so she uh we kind of pushed back on things and we wanted to get like the lowest dose pitocin as possible the lowest dose epidural as possible just so i could rest and keep going so um luckily that happened she the ob said well i'll give you two hours and then i'm coming back to check on you (laughs) it's like lady this is my birth not yours not not your decision here but okay so luckily she got busy there was a shift change A new doctor came in, and he was a perinatologist, a high-risk OB. And I was like, great, this guy is going to push a C-section right now. And so he comes in, and he palpates my belly, feels my belly. And he goes, oh, you don't have a a big baby. I'll just see you when you're ready to push. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, thanks. I know. (laughs) So he leaves, we had a great nurse at shift change also, who was a former doula and super supportive. And again, the midwife was there the whole time. Um, So a couple hours later comes time to push and I was feeling ready for that. And um, the doctor, I think was like totally freaked out by us because my husband wanted to catch the baby and the midwife is right there. And I think he just thought we were, you know, such Looney tunes, like not going with everything hospital asked us to do so anyway um, I was able to push her out on hands and knees which I really think is important to share because even with an epidural um, I was able to support my own weight a little bit enough to get on hands and knees and um push my baby out that way which uh really helped because she had a nuchal hand so she had her hand on top of her head coming out which felt real good pushing up your vagina a head and a hand (laughs) So I had a lot of tearing. Um, but so I think that's why she was pretty cozy in there for three and a half days is because she had her hand up and I was kind of blocking her way down. Um, so anyway, pushed her on hands and knees. Um, we were able to do skin to skin right away and got a great latch. Um, and then, you know, they wheel us to our postpartum recovery room. And then they, they come in and do so many tests. And, you know, we were you know, um, a little hesitant to a lot of the tests. We didn't want a whole lot of inter- intervention. Um, but uh, the hearing tech came in and we thought, okay, well, that's not, that's not invasive. We'll do that test. So they test one ear and she passed just fine. They test the other ear and she didn't pass. And so the tech says, okay, she didn't pass. I'm just going to test again. So she tests again, again, didn't pass. And, um, my mother-in-law was there and she goes, well, can we adjust her first? And the tech goes, she's your baby. Do whatever you want. So I said, okay, I'm going to adjust her. So I'm adjusting her. I was working on the top of her neck. I started doing some cranial work. um, And she started, my baby Aubrey started moving her head around and swallowing. And the tech kind of lit up and she said, oh, that's a really good sign. And she tested her again when I was done. And she passed the test right away, which was so cool. And the tech said to me, (laughs) can you follow me to every room and just check all the babies as I go? <laughs> and I was like, I would love to, but I kind of need to recover here. Um, but I, I just thought that was pretty awesome that the tech saw that. And um, hopefully, you know, that sparked a little bit of, um, I don't know, interest on her part to be able to refer to chiropractors because how amazing would it be if we had chiropractors on staff in every hospital checking babies as they're born?
0: <clears throat> Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Stephanie, that is, or doctor, I should say Dr. Steph, sorry. <laughs> okay. that was, um, That is just so amazing. And you know, as a chiropractor, of course, I'm sure it didn't surprise you, but will you relay to our audience because they may be thinking, "What? Hearing an adjustment? What? what? How? Why would that make a difference?" Right. Right. That's a that's a good point. So, um,
1: yeah, there. I think there's in my daughter's case, I think that because she came out with a hand on her head you know, going through the vaginal canal and getting compressed with a hand on your head, I think that really molded her cranial bones to be imbalanced. And so um, what I think happened with her case in particular was there was some fluid stuck. There were some things out of alignment building up that just wasn't functioning properly. And so as I ingested the top of the neck and got the cranial bones moving, um, it it just clears the way for the nervous system to function properly. Um, neurologically, we know that if the upper neck is out of alignment, it's gonna affect how the ears function, both from a neurological perspective and a mechanical perspective, right? Because if we're if we're out of alignment there at the top, it's gonna affect how the occiput rocks on the um, first cervical vertebra. It's gonna affect how the cranial bones function. Um, the ear canals on kiddos are shaped more horizontally rather than vertical. As we grow and become adults, they become more vertical. And so they're really hard to drain as kids. And so I think that's why we see hearing issues in kids and chronic ear infections and things like that, because our body can't clear it as easily on its own when we are subluxated or out of alignment or the cranial bones are off. So... I think that's what happened in her case, and of course, as chiropractors, we all know the famous story of Harvey Lillard, which is really how chiropractic got started. Um, Have you guys told this story on the podcast? We haven't told it yet, so go for it. Okay, I'll just give a a brief story of it, because it's, I mean, I don't think we'd be here today as chiropractors, as we see it, if it weren't for Harvey Lillard, um, who was a janitor in... um, in a building in uh, Davenport, Iowa. And um, in that building was a man named Dee Dee Palmer who had an office who was a magnetic healer. And um, Dee Dee and Harvey were communicating one day and Harvey, the janitor, was telling Dee Dee, the healer, that 17 years prior, he heard a pop in his neck and lost his hearing. And so Dee Dee thought, well, something in his neck was probably related to his hearing going out of alignment. So he did some sort of adjustment, some sort of physical move to Harvey, um, to his spine and Harvey's hearing was restored. Um, there's speculation these days as to like how he adjusted and exactly what segment he adjusted. Um, but that's really how chiropractic started and how Dee Palmer went on this journey to discover the connection with the spine, protecting the nervous system and the nervous system controlling everything in the body. So our brain is what controls everything. It connects to the rest of our body through our spine. It happens no other way. So I think that um, you know that's really how chiropractic started. And um, there, yeah, that's that's the Harvey Lillard,
0: Lillard story. So, yeah. Well. And, and it's just, it is, it's just so amazing that you had that experience with, in your own life with your daughter, mm-hmm. this issue of, I'm sure it popped into your head right after.
1: <laughs> it totally did. I right? totally did. I was like, maybe we should nickname her Harvey. <laughs> that would have been great. I mean, I love right? the name
0: Aubrey, but that would have been, yeah. that would have been yeah. cool.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's so funny because, uh, as I was adjusting her, I was like, this is like, even me, like I see this every day and I was like, this is crazy. If this works, it's going to be crazy.
0: <laughs> if this works I, come on,
1: I know. Right. Oh. Like Even me like doubting, you know, but I think that's good is to like have a little bit of doubt in what you do just to like further your own research and, um, and like search more and of course there's a our gardener's
0: right in front of my window right now <laughs> as they do that's life in the city man yeah. we've got to have the lingo <laughs> <worse. Well, laughs>
2: right. and that brings up another interesting point as um so you've had two children now mm-hmm. um was the second child's um birth process um did you also check out Sorry, is it a girl or a boy?
1: Boy. So I had a boy, boy. named Roland. Roland. He's almost two. And um, yeah, so with Roland, uh, it's funny. I was actually just about to post his first adjustment story um, on Instagram. So if you want to see that, it'll be up soon. At my handle is at the chiropractress. Um, so yeah, Roland was born at home as well. We planned a home birth with him. And it was a rather uneventful home birth meaning it was certainly painful and difficult and challenging and labor. Um, but it was not, as, not nearly as long as my first. Um, so the labor start to finish with Aubrey was about 80 hours and uh, labor with Roland was about 12. So it was much more manageable. And um, I had him over my toilet, And my husband caught him and then we were in bed and within minutes and um, doing skin to skin and resting and doing all that sort of stuff. And so Roland got his first adjustment within a few hours of being born and there was nothing wrong with him. I checked him just because I knew that that's what needed to be done because I believe that all newborns should be checked for subluxation from day one. I think that we would just have much better outcomes with our babies, with our bodies, with everything, if we all started life from a place of balance. And so, yeah, so there was nothing wrong with him, but I checked him anyway. He had a beautiful latch, wasn't painful. He was pooping fine. He was um, thriving. You know, he, he, he was huge. He was, my daughter was, by the way, When the OB told me that my baby was too big that I couldn't push her out, um, she she told me my baby was going to be at least 10 pounds. Uh, She was 7 pounds, 3 ounces. So her palpation skills were just a little bit off, just a little bit. Um, And Roland came out 9 pounds, 2 ounces. So he was a very big boy, (laughs) especially compared to my first. A whole, you know, 2 pounds bigger. But, yeah, there wasn't a thing wrong with him. But I checked him anyway because – that's what we should do. Babies should start out balanced from the start. How often do you
0: check them for subluxation?
1: Um, I check my kids about once a week. Sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, just depending on how they're holding. If I know they're grow- going through like a growth spurt, I might check them a little more. Um, if there's, I mean, sometimes they don't want me to adjust them. <laughs> usually, usually they jump right on the table. But Roland is kind of at that age where, like, sometimes I'll just be working on him at home, and he does that thing where he just like swats my hand away. <laughs> so he's kind of at that age we get creative. Um, but yeah, usually about once a week is what I check them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and so when that happened with your own kids, um, do you encourage other parents to get their children checked out? as often and I know this is going to be different again because we're individualistic mm-hmm. but on average do you have any interesting cases that you've had in your practice where you they've brought them in for whatever reason you've checked them out and then noticed a drastic difference um, before and after the adjustment yes yes
1: so gosh I could talk about a few things here but yeah I would say in general I feel like the ethical thing for me to do is to, to recommend the same amount of care to other people that I would recommend for my own family. So I usually tell people once a week is usually like what I recommend for wellness, wellness visits. Um, Obviously, that's not always feasible for everybody from a financial perspective or a time perspective. So I really try and work with people with what they're comfortable with as well. Sometimes that means them coming in a little bit less. Um, But if I'm seeing an infant with a lot of breastfeeding issues or colicky issues or, um, you know, they've just got a lot of birth trauma or a lot of tension stored up, um, then we'll usually recommend a little more. Um, higher frequency of care to start. And then I'm sure you guys do something similar, you know, once they start holding the adjustments longer, then we space it out, um, so that the body can just heal and and do its thing. Um, So I do have a couple cases that, um, well, one in particular, that really um, kind of propelled me to furthering my education. So I had a mom, had her second baby. She came to me all through her pregnancy. She had a beautiful pregnancy, great delivery. Um, And baby came out, we checked the baby within the first couple days. Um, They were thriving. They were breastfeeding. They were doing well. Um, I think I I, might have checked the baby's latch on the first few visits. I can't remember. But they were doing fine. Breastfeeding was going well. And so, um, they would come in weekly <clears throat> and, uh, I would check the baby's spine, check the cranial bones. Um, I wouldn't always check the latch cause they were doing fine. And about five months goes by and she calls me in tears and says, she's going to stop breastfeeding. She's ha- in so much pain. Her nipples are cracked and bleeding. There's blood in her milk when she pumps and she was so uncomfortable and so I said, come in right away. We need to check the baby's latch. Um, let's let's do some more work on this. Like I'm missing something. And so she brings the baby in. <clears throat> I did an assessment inside of her mouth and um, found that she did have a tongue tie and a lip tie. And so um, it was severe enough that I referred her to a pediatric dentist who did a revision. Someone I work with quite a bit here who does a really good job. Um, and that allowed her to continue on her breastfeeding journey. And so from then on, I checked her mouth every single time and did some, you know, release inside her mouth, some cranial work inside the mouth. Um, and that really was a wake up moment for me of realizing that like, just because things are good at birth doesn't mean they're going to stay that way. And so it reminded me, keep checking even if something doesn't seem like it's a problem anymore, keep checking. Um, Even if someone, um, you know, and it's not just for breastfeeding issues and for tongue tie issues too. It's for emotional things that people go through. It's the birth trauma that they go through. It's, you know, so many things that we're exposed to all the time. It's just, so I really try and make a a note to like keep checking in with people. Um, But the tongue tie really threw me for a loop with this particular particular mom and baby because um I was so mad at myself that I missed it. I was also mad that I didn't feel like I had enough education on it. Um, and so it did a couple things. It made me start checking every baby, every visit inside their mouth. <laughs> um, as long as parents are okay with that. And, um, I started doing a lot of research on tongue ties and, you know, how to diagnose, how to classify, how to, um, how to assess them. And I realized there really wasn't like a standardized, um, assessment protocol. There are some out there, but there's a lot that, um, doesn't really, it's like people, a lot of people just make it up and kind of do their own assessment And so um, I looked into becoming a lactation consultant because I realized I was referring to a lot of lactation consultants um, and getting a lot of mixed reviews and feedback. Um, So I decided, let me just look into taking this course. And I realized it was feasible. Um, As a chiropractor, I had all the prerequisites for it. I had all the clinical hours for it. Um, and I was seeing this population all So I decided I'm going to sign up for the course and do it. And um, that was, it's, it's you know, I was lucky enough to be able to do it all online um, and get a lot of clinical information out of that. Um, and I'll be sitting for the exam in a couple weeks here. Um, but I even taking that course, I realized <laughs> there is so much... Uh, misinformation around tongue ties. There's like, even taking that course, I'm like, there's no standardized assessment out there. It's very individualized. And so through that course, I realized I really, um, I think I have a different outlook on it, uh, on tongue ties in general, Um, especially being a chiropractor. I'm really looking at things through a functional lens, not necessarily just Let's classify this tongue tie as grade one, two, three, or four. Um, You know, really looking at the whole picture of like mom and baby, looking at all the signs and trying to do everything we can, you know, from a holistic point of view of, do we really need to cut this tissue or laser this tissue? You know, is there, is it really a tongue tie causing these issues or is it tension in the jaw, tension in the upper cervical spine? Is it a cranial imbalance that's really causing this latch you know, to not be functional. So I don't know where I went off on that tangent
2: there, but I guess that was my aha moment. Oh, it's fine. Well
0: it's it's a really important tangent and I feel like we need to have you back on the show just to talk about this topic specifically. Uh, next week we're gonna have on Dr. Sharon Vallone, who uh, has been talking about tongue and lip ties for a long time, especially in relationship to breastfeeding. Yeah. So we're going to touch on that, but I would love to have you back to hear your perspective because it is that balance. Mm-hmm. And I haven't taken the course. So kudos to you, but I do the same thing. If I feel there's a, a hole in my training, mm-hmm. I don't have enough information, I've gone down the rabbit hole and, and, and done a variety of different courses and, and things because, right. I think it's going to be valuable in helping patients. So I absolutely uh, hope you, I hope you agree. I would absolutely love to have you come in and talk about this a little bit more from your perspective as a chiropractor who's gone through this lactation training, because I myself have a few thoughts on that too. Yeah. (laughs) And I haven't done the training, but I know that sometimes Lacta- well not sometimes more times than not lactation consultants are really dropping the ball on they're looking at positioning of baby they're looking at maybe how the how's the baby latching but they're really not looking at the baby mm-hmm. and I think that's a crucial point that yeah. we should address so I hope that you agree and would love yeah. to come back and talk just about that yes yes I would love it great
2: well and My, um, and then my other question would be you as a chiropractor and then you learning all of these different techniques, um, how has it helped you address some of the neurological developments in the babies and infants and children that you see in your practice? Um, Do you see any differences in babies neurological development that come in to see you earlier in their life versus later with more issues or yeah, um, you want to touch on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, I have a handful of kiddos that I've seen around like the age, maybe 10 month to 18 month age range who have come in as a new patient, um, because they weren't crawling. So I have, you know, so so many of these same kind of stories of like, you know, babies just doing an army crawl or a scoot on their butt, um, but they're not getting that cross-crawl motion, which is so crucial for brain development, as you guys know. Um and so there is just you know, like we talked about earlier, magic, there's so much magic in reconnecting the brain and the body through the spine and watching these babies, you know, crawl and move their bodies better. Um, it's kind of funny because very often, like, I'll see these families come in and, you know, we'll, we'll be talking and doing our first consult. I adjust on the first visit. And so we'll be talking and doing the consult and I'll kind of see the baby moving around a little bit. Um, and then we'll do the adjustment and all of a sudden they're crawling everywhere. And to me, like, is that, that's, that's what they're doing, right? And they're, and the parents are shocked, like, they've never done that before. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, that's new. <laughs> so I think that's a really big deal, um, is around that age range, is um, we can see that, that switch turn really easily. Um, I do see, though, you know, back to your point, um, the babies that we see from, you know, day one, you know, maybe the first week of life, almost always do better. You know, those are the babies who are, you know, I I do think there's an environmental toxin um, issue as well. You know, babies who are exposed to less toxins are also going to do better. But um, I think you catch my drift there. (laughs) But I think, um, you know, babies that are, their nervous system is connected from day one. They always develop better. You know, they're always moving their bodies better. They're always holding their heads up better. They're more alert. They're more aware. You can see in their eyes, they're more connected. Um, And so, and we see that a lot with siblings. So like maybe we'll have a family start care. Maybe mom's pregnant with like her second baby. First kiddo is two, three, four years old, never been adjusted. And then they all start, you know, the family plan. And the, the infant you know, when once mom delivers that second baby, that infant as they grow, always does better than the older sibling in their development. You guys see that too,
0: right? Absolutely. Yes. yes. And um, yeah, it is. It's an amazing thing watching that power turn on in kids and and situations when you talk about that connection and and the parents feel it maybe their child hasn't even been able to hug them before because they have so much tension. They cannot, they're pushing away rather than going towards and, oh, okay. and the parent being overjoyed that their child is hugging them. Mm-hmm. They can feel connected and their, their child is sleeping better. So everybody's getting more rest and everybody, you know, it's, it's a family affair I say, because it, yeah, when an issue is going on with a child, it's not just that child that's affected. It's the whole family. Yeah, so it's so true. Such, yeah, so such great um, observations that really, it, it does, it just does make a difference. And we, not, we might not be doing scientific testing, but parents know it when they see it. They yes. don't need someone to tell them, they experience it. And right, that's so true. That's all that matters, really. Mm-hmm. Who cares mm-hmm. if we are qualifying it and quantifying it? Right, works. Chiropractic works.
1: Right. right. <laughs> we wouldn't still be a profession. After all our profession has gone through, we wouldn't still be here if it didn't
0: work. Exactly. So we, That's a whole story in and of itself. <laughs> right. Well, oh my gosh. Such a wealth of information. Yay. Oh my gosh. Well, and
2: the good thing for listeners out there, for us, is Dr. Steph has her own podcast. I do. So, you wanna, yeah. so do you want to
0: explain... a little bit about that before we uh, as we wrap up up. so podcasts and how they can reach you and find you and
1: awesome okay so yeah so i run a podcast with a very good friend of mine um dr brent kine who is an acupuncturist who he's got four kids and his wife is a midwife and um he's very much in the holistic world um so it's called the holistic parents podcast it's on apple and spotify and all those podcast sites Um, and yeah, we have a lot of different topics. We cover a lot of birth, a lot of immune boosting stuff, a lot of just natural parenting topics. Um, so it's not just, um, you know, it's, we have a couple of people we interview. I would love to have you guys on, um, as we build up a little bit more. Um, so yeah, it's been really fun. We're, we're actually recording some more episodes this weekend. Um, so we will have a few more things on there. Um, yes, I'm really excited. That's been kind of a passion project that we've just recently started doing. Um, and then my Instagram, uh, is at the chiropractors, um, or you can just search Dr. Stephanie lives and I should come up there. Um, and on my personal page, I post a lot of like my birth stories and, um, holistic parenting mom sort of stuff, a little more personal um and then on my office Instagram page, which is Cafe of Life SD, um, we post a lot of um more chiropractic, uh patient-relevant sort of stuff. Um so you can find me there. If anybody is, you know, a mom in the San Diego area, you can find me on Facebook, Stephanie Libs. Libs has one B. And um I, we again run that private Facebook group. It's called Cafe of Life Mamas. And um anybody who's local to San Diego and is a mom can join and we have a ton of resources on there. We've got over 500 moms in the group who are all super engaged and helpful and um, just helping support each other through this crazy parenting journey of ours.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's, that's a whole nother topic too. Crazy parenting journey anyway. And now there's some additional challenges on that.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so Last question, but very important one. What advice do you, as being a mother yourself and going through your journey, what advice do you have for any new moms coming up? Um, what would be your little kernel of maternal wisdom? Ooh, ooh, ooh,
1: ooh! Um, <laughs> gosh, the first thing I would say would be like, listen to your mommy gut. I think it's so important to, you know, like, turn off the news, turn, get off those apps, get off those, you know, and it starts in your pregnancy, like, empower yourself and listen to what feels good inside. And if you don't know about something, do some research on it, so that you feel the most comfortable to make decisions for yourself. You know, I mean, you're, you're going to be your own best advocate, but empowering yourself is I think the most important thing, um, through the, you know, journey of mothering. Cause I, I just find so many parents do something because they, they are told that's the way it's supposed to be done when really it doesn't feel good to them at all. So I think going with your gut, going, what feels good. Um, I always like to think back, like what did cavemen do? What did cavemen do before we had an iPhone? You know, what, what, how did we, how did human beings survive for so long without all the modern technology we have today. Um, so just listening to your instincts and going with your
0: gut and your heart and going with what feels good. Wow. That's, it's powerful advice. And we do we talk about that a lot, that maternal instinct. You really yeah. do have to, just say, does this make sense to me? Does this feel right to me? And you really can't go wrong because there is no right or wrong way. It's just your way that you're, you're on right now. And that, and as you say, is this journey of mama, mama-ing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as a chiropractic mama myself, I definitely can relate to that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Dr. Stephanie Libs. Oh, I'm so happy that um, a friend of mine uh, chiropractic mama herself had sent me your post on your experience with your baby, because otherwise I would not have met you. And oh, I'm so grateful. <laughs> fabulous uh, chiropractic mama sister over in San Diego. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much. That was awesome.
0: And we're back after having an
2: amazing discussion with Dr. Stephanie Lips. I, always love hearing about pediatric chiropractic mothers and their own journeys with their own children. So that was a real treat for today. And something that she touched on was the difference in her two children's births. So her first child, there was a hearing deficit, checked out the child, found a subluxation in the neck area, addressed it, balanced the cranial bones, and the hearing was restored. And then with the second child, nothing really was going on symptom-wise, nothing apparent, but she checked her child regardless, just to make sure. Because one thing I do want to address is babies can't really vocalize the same way adults do. When something is wrong, they can't go, hey, my neck hurts, hey, my back hurts, I'm not sleeping well, All they can do is cry. That's their main method of communication at first. So that side crying, which often they address as colic and they don't know why it's happening, that's your baby communicating with you. Something is making them uncomfortable. Um, So I think that's really important to get babies checked out as soon as possible after they're born. It is totally safe in the hands of a pediatric chiropractor. The technique is very gentle as we've said before, it often looks like we're not doing anything. (laughs) It looks like we're just holding their head or holding a certain, putting a certain finger over an area of the neck. And that pressure is very, very light. Um, same thing with the craniosacral therapy, which addresses the cranial bones. So, uh, Dr. Anderson, yeah, did you have any incidences with us as children, um, That you would like to talk about in regards to the importance of checking out the spine even when we don't appear to have anything going on with us
0: well of course you were perfect so (laughs) thank you no problems with you actually uh i did work on you this was at the beginning of my chiropractic journey so you you kind of grew up with me as a chiropractor and a pediatric chiropractor but you really didn't have any issues. Yes. I checked you out. Yes. I adjusted you. Um, but, uh, there is one instance with your brother and Zach, he is my second born and he, uh, he actually, I'll talk about his birth at some other point, but he had a really very fast birth. It was really fast. And that can sometimes create issues that I did work on him. He was breastfeeding fine. And about a month in, one day he just wouldn't latch. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. And so I checked him out and his first cervical vertebra, the one way at the top, was out of alignment. I gave him a little adjustment and phunk. Right on the breast, he went and latched perfectly. So, that is like Dr. Steph Steph was saying just because everything appears to be okay right after the birth, this is something that needs to be checked on a regular basis because we are subjected to things as babies, like how we're being carried, how we're sleeping. the worst are the contraptions like the car seats. I mean, come on, look at a baby in a car seat when they go to sleep, their heads lolling all over the place, right? So that type of thing can have an effect where it wasn't an issue when the baby was born or you may have worked on things after their birth, but life, life happens. And so regular checkups are super important, but also something changes in what's happening with the baby Just get them back into the chiropractor and say, yep, they were feeding fine. Now they're not. A little simple adjustment, and then it can be that easy. That's it. (laughs) That's it for today. That's my two cents.
2: (laughs) I mean, we have so many topics that we're going to go more in depth in. But yeah, this was a really, really great episode.
0: And we will definitely, I think we really need to have Mm -hmm. Dr. Steph back to talk about the lip and tongue tie, Mm -hmm. but stay tuned for an episode with Dr. Sharon Vallone on that very issue in breastfeeding. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.